Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 467. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hello. This week on the show, we'll be going over our top 10 movies of 2022. And as such, we're also joined once again by Ken Bakley. Hey, Ken. Hello. We almost didn't have a show this week because... Uh, if you if you noticed, we were off a couple weeks there, and that's because I got COVID, and like four days later, Kevin got COVID. So that's why we've been away. And I was worried. I was worried that you weren't gonna rebound. Uh, I, I was like, oh man, we're not gonna be able to do a year end episode this year because I thought you were still sick. I made it. I made it through. Yeah, it, it sounded like you were. You guys were in a pretty bad way for 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 a while, but yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're, we're on the men. So I uh, uh, I think a few days ago, yeah, you were telling me we probably weren't going to be able to uh, record our year-end show this year, and then a few hours later, you told me uh, looked like it was back on. Yep, yep. It'd be weird if we didn't do it. Honestly, like yeah, we've been yeah. doing it for ten years, so it, I think it, it'd be it would, strange it, to skip a year. It's such a staple. Yeah, it's an institution of film films. I think that, but honestly, in 10 years, if the only thing that could stop us potentially would be COVID. Yeah, I think so. And it almost did, but we fucking prevailed. Yeah. I, I mean, like, if anything, it, it kind of helped me watch a bunch of stuff that I needed to catch up on. <laughs> Gave you all the time you needed. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, like, because I was just kind of laid up in bed and feeling <laughs> lethargic, I only wanted to watch, like, brain dead, like, yeah, stuff that I didn't have to, like, activate any kind of brain cells for. So I got caught up, like, on all the Marvel movies and stuff. <laughs> uh, anyway, before we get into our top 10, I was thinking that this would be a good time to, like, go over any movies that we missed that we that we haven't been able to see yet that we think could potentially be on our top tens i like to do this as sort of like a caveat before i give out my top 10 because like there's certain movies that i think may have been on it had i seen them do you guys have any uh any titles off the top of your head that you can think of that that you may have added had you been able to see it in time uh well well I could. I'll just set talk about it from the point of like a bunch of stuff that I had absolutely been meaning to see, but yeah, I, I just didn't. I just ran out of time. Like uh, over the last couple of days, I was able to get another three movies in to catch up on year end stuff, and um, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff I haven't see, seen. I I I think uh, not not that I. Uh, not that this is in any way exhaustive or is like the, these were totally going to be, you know. Right. Yeah, of uh, course. N- uh, th- things that I thought thought of, but some of the stuff that I've just been thinking about that I haven't been able to see. The Banshees of uh, Inisherin, I think that's how you say it. Um, EO and uh, I still have not seen Triangle of Sadness. I haven't seen The Whale. I wanted to catch that one. I haven't seen Tar. I was going to watch Black Panther before we recorded, but I picked something else instead. Uh, well, I'll just say it was the menu, and that, that was unfortunate because that didn't end up on my top ten. And um, I didn't see After Sun yet. I wanted to see that, too. I have not seen After Sun either. 
Those are those are like the ones that that like just come top of mind for me. I don't know that those would be on my list, but those were just ones that I was thinking about. Kevin, were there any uh, ones that like are sticking out in your head that you wanted to catch up with? Uh, a couple of the ones that you said, like definitely like After Sun. Yeah, I, I forgot about that one. Uh, honestly, I feel like there's a ton. I, I I like I can't name them, but I have a very strong feeling that I could watch another set of like there's another set of ten movies out there from this year. Yeah, that could comprise my entire top ten. I and I, knock everything off that I, I have now. I feel that way this year too. This was a really pathetic year for me. I didn't see nearly as many uh, films as I do other years i don't know why that was and also this year was like a more more of a kind of middle of the road year for me as far as like what i liked and what i was into like uh yeah. only two or no three movies that i watched this year had above a four out of five on letterbox mm-hmm. and there were no movies that i saw this year that were five out of five actually i lied there was one very late entry that was a five out of five. Yeah. So, I got I got like two movies on my list that I'm like, I'm pretty sure that they would stick. Everything else could move. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And and maybe we'll talk about some honorable mentions uh, after we go through our main list. Just Yeah, because, I, I just uh, sorry, I just because I think that there were like a, a number of really solid titles, but nothing that was like mind blowing. So like there's certain a lot of my stuff could shift around basically i i absolutely feel the same way i was just going to express my complete agreement there uh i was looking at my list that i keep through the year and moving things around on on, on reflection just trying to figure out like if i just had to choose 10 of these to to showcase here what would they be and i i could totally have had some different stuff here i i find that the big one for me, is like what goes in at number ten. Mm. Yeah, because that one is like truly interchangeable with like a lot of stuff. I mean, that that's how it is for me. Like my number ten has been swapped around multiple times. So, yeah. Anyway, with that, I think we can just jump into uh, the top ten. So, Ken, we'll start it with you. What's your number ten film of twenty twenty two? My number 10 is uh, Top Gun Maverick. Ooh, interesting. A lot of stuff could have gone there. A lot of stuff could have gone there. That's an interesting choice. There's like a five-way tie for 10. Now, I, I guess if I was not feeling a million percent great uh, about this, or if I wanted to give myself an internal reason of why to uh, swap it out, I could say, well, this is a movie that I saw, you know, yeah. Uh, two days ago, and so maybe I'm, I'm still... Maybe there's a recency bias there, but it's Top Gun Maverick. I missed it in the theaters, which was an extraordinary mistake on my part. I, I was That was going to be my question, is did you see it in the theater? Because I feel like that that is one that benefits greatly from a theater experience. I still really liked it at home, and if I saw it in the theater, it would probably be higher. <laughs> it was awesome in the theater, I will say. like It, it, was, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, that's where I'm feeling right now. As we're recording, I had a bunch of stuff that I could have easily put in at number 10. 
Uh, but I, uh, I, I went with Top Gun Maverick because uh, I had a good time watching it. Yeah, yeah, I had a blast with that one too. Kevin, what's your number ten? I like this is what I like about our show, right? I like that we can go from Top Gun Maverick to my pick, which is One Man Dies a Million Times from Jessica Oreg. <laughs> that is what the show is about. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. So this is a movie that like played festivals a couple years ago or whatever, but it finally got uh, released in theaters this year. Uh, it is it's got black and white cinematography from Sean Price Williams, which is great stuff, and it's a bizarre mix of it's kind of like a futuristic dystopian sci-fi film, like low key, but it's based on the siege of Leningrad from World War II. So it's based on a true thing from the past. And it's just kind of melding the two together. And essentially what it comes down to is uh, a seed library. I remember so people, you, yeah, I remember you talking about this one on this on the show. So it's definitely a definitely a uh, an interesting flick and something something that you don't necessarily see a lot of the time. Essentially, you know, uh, a sci-fi movie that's actually based on the past mm. but set in the future yeah it's kind of it's a, it's a cool concept all right uh my number 10 is catch the fair one from joseph uh vlad vladika this is a it's a crime thriller about a uh a boxer um it she's a native american boxer and she is on the hunt for her younger sister who was seemingly abducted. So she enters the world of human trafficking. And this is a uh, gritty, realistic, like just kind of one of these ultra real, realistic uh, crime dramas. I would, I would kind of compare it to something like a, a Jeremy Saulnier film. Uh, but you have, uh, Callie Reese in here as the the lead, uh, Kaylee, and she does such an incredible job in this that uh, yeah, it ended up on my number ten. Uh, all right, Ken, what's your number nine? My number nine, uh, also from my year end catch up. So if I wanted to move around nine and ten, I could say that. But you know, it's good. Uh, it's Tar. Tar is my number nine. Ah. Yeah, this is on my list. I, I want to try to squeeze this in, or I wanted to rather, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to still catch up with it. Yeah, it was part of my year-end catch-up. I was like, I want to get this in, you know, as soon as I can. I probably, if I, if I hadn't, I probably would have been fine or even better seeing it this week because I think I realized that uh, this week it goes from just being able to buy it on vod to renting it so i could have saved like 14 dollars <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> i was like i don't know how long this is going to be to buy um i guess i'll have to see it now and so you pay the buy price and it's like you know tar is not the kind of movie where i'm immediately thinking i want to watch tar again so now it's just yeah, sitting there it's going to be an annual rewatch for you tar yeah just you because gotta get, you guys got to watch 158 minutes of tar <laughs> Yeah, Kate Blanchett's great in this. Also, it's fascinating about the way that it fills those 158 minutes. Uh, a weirdly uh, enriching experience after watching Tar was to look up, you know, because at the end of the year, during war season, they put 
PDFs of a lot of the screenplays online. I believe the shooting script for Tar is 92 pages. Interesting. And it's 157 minutes long. Cool. Uh, Kevin, what's your number nine? Uh, I went with the... Um, this was a catch-up as well. I didn't even know this came out this year, actually. And uh, one of those, much like your 10, very uh, realistic crime drama. This is a bit of The Stranger. You can watch this on Netflix from Thomas M. Wright. I was uh, quite surprised by this. I, I didn't know anything about this movie. It was on my wife's watch list. I saw that it was 2022. I said, all right, I haven't seen Joel Edgerton in something. Seems like for ages. Remember when Joel Edgerton was in everything? Yeah, it was interesting. I watched this too on your recommendation. And when that like blue tongue logo came up, I was like, oh yeah, I guess they're still around. Yeah, blue tongue, like I can't, I can't pinpoint the actual year, but there was like a year or two where Blue Tongue was like every fucking movie and Joel Edgerton was in every fucking movie. So it was, it, it's kind of nostalgic in a way. It's kind of, you know, went back to Almost that the time. throwback. It, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the throwback now because it really felt like a Blue Tongue movie. And it's just, this is like such a dark and like solemn film. And just the way that, like the pacing of it, the way that it's shot, just the way that they went about it, uh, it just really struck me as like, in terms of a police procedural, in this done in this way, like very very deliberate. I feel like I haven't seen one this good in a long time. Yeah, it is quite good, and it, like you said, it's on Netflix, so you can check that out. Yeah. Uh, again, that's the stranger. My number nine is the Banshees of Inisherin. This was a catch up for me. Uh, Martin McDonough. Uh, I I loved Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in this. It's a hilarious premise. I just liked the premise where it was just about a guy who doesn't want to be friends with another guy anymore. And they live on a mm-hmm. small island and the other guy just can't get over why this guy doesn't want to be friends with him. And it's it's such a simple premise, but it lends itself to some really kind of uh, heart-wrenching moments. Like the the final act of this movie is just so brutal and it, it it's kind of weird because everything prece- preceding it is pretty light and very funny, but it just gets so somber at the end. And uh, I, I really, I was really kind of taken aback by it. So yeah, definitely recommend this. It's on HBO max, so you can check it out on there. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but that sounds like a very, martin mcdonough kind of big time (laughs) way to do that yeah big time uh ken what's your number eight uh my number eight is we're all going to the world's fair oh this is that's an interesting pick too uh it's lingered with me for uh well it's definitely one that you won't forget anytime soon yeah for for the last uh eight or so months since i've seen it um I think among so many other things that it addresses, if I had to choose one thing to maybe explain why it stuck out to me and uh, without giving too much away, it's a movie that in harrowing detail understands what it's like to interact on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Yes, (laughs) 100%. Yes, And I do want to point out, I do want to emphasize, it does so in harrowing detail. 
it, it's unnerving. It gets it's a mm-hmm. it's a movie it that really, like, really gets under your skin. Mm-hmm. And I, I I loved the the aesthetic of it, the kind of almost analog horror aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I yeah. All right, Kevin, number eight. Number eight is the Banshees of Inna Sharon for me as well. Nice. So I got that one at number eight. I love the premise, which is the funny thing going into this movie. I never looked up what it was about. Oh. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. Uh, I- <laughs> and then as soon as it was introduced as like the setup and the premise, I was just like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> this is going to be good. I, I knew what it was, or at least I, I thought I knew what it was going into it, but I wasn't sure if there was like more to it than that but and i guess there there sort of is but the baseline is, is 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 that yeah which i think is the, the really interesting aspect of this movie is it's a super simple setup and premise right and surface level that's what it is like you can just watch it for that but it also does delve into a lot more things you know it gets far more emotional than i thought it was going to get it gets a lot more uh, darker and bleaker than I thought it was going to get. You know, it was a lot more heart wrenching than I thought it was going to get. Giving the 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 initial setup mm-hmm. and premise where you're just like, oh, this guy doesn't want to be buds anymore. Also, it's just it's a gorgeous. Deal. It's a gorgeously shot film. Like the the island that where it takes place, the cinematography. I mean, it's just it's incredible looking. Yeah, and I just there's a part of me because at first I was like, oh man, this is kind of shitty. Could you being on that island back in the olden days like that and your one buddy doesn't want to be your buddy anymore? Yeah. That's like fucking devastating. Yeah. That would just ruin everything. But there was a part of me that was like, man, it would be kind of cool to be like the main thing that you do is tend to the animals and then hit up the pub for the rest of the day. Yeah. Your day's like two different things and that's it. That sounds kind of nice. A simple life. Yeah. Their lives seemed simple and relaxing too like everything yes. everything about this movie feels cozy to me yes anyway my number eight is saloon we uh we reviewed this on the show a while back it's a uh sort of a an african western uh and about right. yeah and it's awesome i didn't know what to expect going into this one uh i love the style I love the aesthetic. The main characters, the the the, the gang, uh, are awesome. It has this uh, kind of almost like a crime thriller vibe at the beginning, but then it kind of morphs into a light horror movie because uh, there's like a supernatural element to it. And yeah, it's just it's cool as shit. So definitely recommend Saloon. That's on Shutter, I think. Uh, all right, number seven. Ken, what do you got? Uh, my number seven. Uh, now, I admit that I I'm not uh, that that I have I'm not fully up to date on all episodes of the Film Pulse Weekly podcast. But when I did see this next movie, I did think I saw both of your scores on Letterboxd and saw they were not that high. Uh, so I have not listened to the episode where you've discussed this. But so I'm going to just say now and provide a brief explanation of my next best movie of the year which is steven spielberg's the fablemans oh well we didn't we didn't have anything against it so i, I, I kind of did 
I didn't have anything against it. It was, a, it was all right. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I didn't think you did, but I just want, I just thought it was interesting. A bit, a bit, just a bit of a, uh, I, I went into this podcast knowing that I'm going to be the only one here who has the Fablemans on his top 10 list. <laughs> I, I mean, I imagine that there's going to be plenty of other top 10 lists that have yeah, the Fablemans on Yeah, no, it's not like it. I have to, it's not like I feel like I'm the one person that has to You have to defend the Spielberg. the praises of Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but... Now, if it was like Warhorse or something, we might have to have a deeper discussion, but... Yeah, uh, well, my, my, my takeaway from it, my... my Defense is a bizarre word, but my takeaway from it was that uh, I think it's best when it's not about or explicitly about making movies or about becoming a filmmaker. I think it's a really good movie about one of the things that I think film is uniquely well suited to examining, which is the the process of memory, the process of remembering, the active journey of looking at your memories and kind of realizing over time their the impact of individual moments and how your understanding of them has changed over time. And I think Spielberg is in excellent conversation with not only the audience, but himself in making this uh, generally autobiographical story. Uh, and uh, I was really, uh, uh, I really responded to it. So yeah, that's the Fablemans. All right. Um, Kevin, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is Decision to Leave from mm. Chan Wook. This, I will say this did not make it on my list, but it was like really close. It was really I close. I am surprised. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I Yeah, it's, it's a great movie, but I don't know, man. Like, Unbelievable. It, Unbelievable. I am shocked. I am shocked. <laughs> Kevin is shook. I don't even. Yeah, I don't Park even. Park Chan Wook's not say. on my list. Are you kidding me? How do you not have Park Chan? Do I even know you anymore? The, the, I'll tell you. The problem was the the lasting power of the movie. Like it mm. just mm. didn't. It really just didn't uh, stick with me as much as I initially thought it would. Gotcha. It, it, it's kind of it's it's like fading from my memory already. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it stuck with me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I was kind of surprised because I kind of... Uh, Park Chan-wook has not really been on my list of directors that I'm really seeking out anymore. He kind of he kind of dropped off there for a little bit. And Decision to Leave was one of those instances where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll give this guy a shot. I'm glad I did because felt like he, he really came back. Mm-hmm. Just chock full of style, this one. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, my number seven is Prey. This is an, this was kind of a controversial one for me to add. I, I normally don't add like the big kind of action blockbuster type movies on on my list, but uh, this one I thought was was worthy because I'm a huge fan of the, the of the Predator franchise, and I have been kind of yearning for a really solid Predator movie for a long time, and I feel like Dan Trachtenberg kind of knocked it out of the park with this one and uh it's definitely one that i've been eager to rewatch i haven't rewatched it yet but i'm really excited to rewatch it and there's not too many movies that i see in a given year where like after i watch it i'm like oh yeah no i want to rewatch that right now and and prey is definitely that uh all right number six ken what do you got 
At my number six, I have uh, Ricky D'Ambrose's new film, The Cathedral. Oh, okay. Oh, hey. Rick D'Ambrose making a list that's not on mine. Incredible. <laughs> I was going to say. Well, whoa. Incredible. This is, this is like the Park Chan-wook situation, isn't it? <laughs> it it kind of is, honestly. That If you could find... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that is analogous, I guess. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I suppose you could think of this, uh, paired with the Fablemans together on my list as two very different examinations of family from an autobiographical standpoint and through a way that seems like a director in active conversation with himself in ways that make it feel like something more than just someone telling stories about their lives and in a way that makes it seem, uh, much richer and much more involving and immediate, so... I believe it's on Mubi, the cathedral. Cool. Yeah. Check it out on Mubi. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ke- Kevin, what's your number six? Uh, first off, I just want to say that when Ken mm-hmm. stated the cathedral, immediately the thought went off in my head is, oh, yeah, I forgot to finish that. Yeah. Because I did watch like 40 minutes of it. Really? Uh... And I forgot to go back to it. I don't think it would have made it on my list because, as you can tell, I I forgot to finish it, so I wasn't that <laughs> enthralled with it. You can, well, if you did like it, you could have, you know, carved out a number eleven spot for the first forty minutes of the cathedral. <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> if he did that. <laughs> so, with that being said, like, okay, there, I'm glad Ricky Dabros made it. It wasn't on my list, which is kind of surprising, but if. Ricky D'Ambrose doesn't make it on my list. You can pretty much lock it in that if Albert Bernie made a movie, <laughs> it's going to make it on my list. <laughs> and Strawberry Mansion, which is also a movie, is my my pick here with uh, co-directed with Kentucker Audley. Uh, you know, just these are so up my alley in terms of um, creativity-wise. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. Just film it. You know, the filmmaking, this is the type of filmmaking that I love where it is so D- DIY and just the, the the small budget and what you're able to turn that into. I just, I have so much fun watching these types of things. Yeah, this Strawberry Mansion is great. Honestly, I kind of forgot that it came out this year. I thought that that was last year, <laughs> but... It, and it might have been. I don't know. No, I think it's it was been a year. I, I think it was this. It's been a. It's been quite a year. Yeah, I think it was technically 2022, but I think that we saw it before that. But yeah, at we any saw rate, it way before. Yeah, it, it it's it's great. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, my number six is Athena. This uh, is directed by Ro- Romain uh, Gavras. This oh, is that's right. Yeah, this is one that that. Uh, kind of eluded me for a little while and then i i didn't even realize it was on netflix until like a couple weeks ago and when i saw that it was on netflix i gave it a look and i mean it's it's almost worth it almost made it to my list just for the opening sequence there's this really incredible opening sequence that's just a it's like a one it's like a single take it's like 10 or 15 minutes there's a couple hidden cuts in there but it doesn't matter and uh, it's it's incredible. If you're not familiar with this, it is about a uh, s- sort of like an uprising of um, of 
people in this like uh, small like city area where basically uh, police are have allegedly killed uh, this young young man and the people are kind of rising up and just take taking over and so the whole the whole movie is essentially a battle between the youth and these police and it is just uh it's nonstop. i mean the the whole movie is just nothing but like craziness and energy and i love really complex movies like this that that are like as far as like the shots go and uh it's a decent story as well so athena check it out on netflix all right we're at number five ken what do you got uh, my number five is, in fact, Strawberry Mansion. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Dear Bruce Birdie Audley, back Ooh. to back. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I, I mean, I don't have much else to add. It's yeah, it's uh, it's a really great movie. I do want to add on a side note, uh, it, uh, taking a quick look at uh, the podcast feed, I was concerned that perhaps I had fallen uh behind by a lot on this fine program on which i'm currently appearing because i had not listened to the fablements episode but the fablements episode was the most recent one so. uh, yeah that was yeah we, we were off the last two weeks i think yes and, uh but yeah yep all right kevin what's your number five uh my number five has already been mentioned and that's we're all going to the world's fair there it is again. Nice. Yep. Very nice. See, this is a, you know, I agree with what Ken said. And I also agreed that it's done the same thing where maybe when I initially watched it, yes, it struck me and kind of, you know, stuck with me a little bit. But I didn't, I didn't realize or I didn't foresee the lasting power that this movie would have where it just kept like kind of lingering and coming into my mind. Like, you know just various days throughout the year i would just think of this movie and it was like even when i thought about it it was still unnerving in the way that it was able to maintain that almost the entirety of the year from when i saw it to even now i'm like i'm looking at the poster now and i don't like it i have to close this tab <laughs> like it just it's unnerving to me it really creeps me out yeah it's you know like there have been movies that have attempted to to adapt the whole like creepypasta thing and i don't think any of them were like particularly successful i feel like that there were certain fundamental things that make creepypasta popular um yeah or, or work work that that they never really were able to to capture but i think that with we're all going to the world's fair they were able to uh adapt that style that that medium into a, a film and the thing that gets me and this is my experience with it i don't know about the two of you but this it almost acts or works or excels like as an after image like for me like in the moment of watching it i didn't find it that creepy it was slightly unnerving you know that kind of thing i didn't really think of it as like a true horror movie or anything like that i found it to be far more sad than anything but the like the more that i'm removed from it it creeps me out more and more which is bizarre yeah yeah uh i i don't know if it's sort of grown on me that way uh but 
in the same way, but in, I kind of had more of the thing where it made an immediate impact on me, but it just kept lingering. But, like, I kind of got that, but only in the sense that it started, like, the beginning of it, like, the things I'd already seen started cascading on me more while I was watching it through to the end. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, 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 I had a similar experience, maybe a different one, but I, I think maybe that also speaks to just the way the movie's able to communicate that it can manifest itself in, in different ways. I'm wondering if that movie that's coming out, Skinnamarink, if that one's going to be like 2023's We're All Going to the World's Fair. I don't know if you guys saw anything about that one, but it, it looks like it's going to be... I don't think be, I know much about that. It's going like to be gonna be like a similar thing. Mm. Uh, all right, let's see. We're at number five. My number five is Triangle of Sadness. This is the, uh, the Ruben Ostland. One, I did not see The Square. Uh, I've been meaning to try to catch up with that one, but I did see Force Majeure, and I liked that a lot. And so I, I would say if you're familiar with those movies, I'm I'm not sure about his uh, filmography before the, those two, but I think you probably know what, what you're going to be getting into if you are familiar with those two. Triangle of Sadness is basically like a bunch of rich people on a super yacht and everything goes wrong and uh it's it's hilarious and uh also bizarre and kind of depressing and kind of gross and uh i really dug it didn't expect to i didn't expect where it went um and uh yeah just a just a good time with this one (laughs) just thinking about it makes me laugh I have not seen uh, Triangle of Sadness, but I did see the menu the other day. I I I'm fresh. I'm fresh off yeah. the menu, which both movies are yeah have kind yeah. of a similar. It's it's, vibe. it's I, I yeah that 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 was what I uh, guessed, but I I, I liked the menu too. Like I had a I found the menu to be very entertaining, but Triangle of Sadness was just a a step above that for me. Yeah, yeah, the menu was never going to come anywhere near my top ten list. Yeah. It's, it's serviceable. It's it's got fun moments, but yeah, I I I, I do want to see. It was very Triangle. engaging, I will say. The yeah, menu. yeah. Well, we don't need to talk about a movie that's not that's not on the list. <laughs> Fuck the menu. All right, what's yeah, Ken? Ken what's your number four? Uh, I'm going to keep some of this list synergy and recurring discussion going by saying that uh, my number four is decision to leave. Oh, here we go. Nice. Make me make, the make only it, one. yeah, making me regret not putting it on my. You have no idea how many times that movie was on this list and then made its way off. Like I just, I was waffling, waffling over it, and I and ended up putting Catch the Fair one on. No, I'm happy. I'm happy with my decision. Kevin, <laughs> what's your number? score. Kevin, what's your number four? Uh, something that's also been discussed already, and that's Saloon, the African Western. This is like genre film wise, this was uh, pretty damn fun for me. Just, I just thought it was cool as hell. Yeah, it's an, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, my number four is Nope. Uh, it's the new Jordan Peele. I had a great time with it. Can't wait to watch it again. It was funny. Nice moments of uh, of horror in there. 
Uh, I'd say a bigger spectacle than his other movies, and I kind of liked that. I liked the the kind of summer blockbuster aspect of it. Uh, and yeah, it was it was great. If you haven't seen Nope yet, not much more to say. Uh, Ken, number three. Here we go. Top three. My number three is Max Walker Silverman's A Love Song. Oh, okay. All right. It's, uh, ter- uh, just a terrific, uh, moving, uh, confident movie that does not need a lot of time or or it has does not perfectly resist the urge to fill in details that do not need to be directly filled in. It's about um, connections and people, and it's wonderfully performed in the lead roles by uh, Dale Dickey and Wes Studi. Cool. Kevin, what's your number three? My number three is Superior from Aaron Vassilopoulos. This is uh, her feature debut essentially expounding on her short film superior from like 2015. I might be wrong on that date, but this is one that just, just the, the entire vibe of this movie was just, it linked up perfectly with the mood that I was in when I watched it. And it was essentially just everything that I wanted from if a director was going to flesh out their, one of their short films from years ago that I enjoyed the way that it was done here. I couldn't ask for anything else. Yeah. It so doesn't, it, it doesn't, recommend it. it doesn't feel like it's, you know, sometimes when you adapt a short film into a feature, it feels forced. It feels like, eh, I probably would have been better off as, as a short. Now I haven't seen the short, but like this feels like a fully fleshed out, like feature yeah. film. It, it doesn't feel bloated or anything like that. And it's interesting because the way that it was set up, the, the old short film is about two twins, and she's utilizing the same two twins, but of course they're older now, so you can't just rehash the original film. So it's actually kind of a, a continuation mm. of the earlier short film, but not 100% really. It's just a really interesting, the way that it came out. Cool. Uh, my number three is RRR, uh, and this one, this was a very late watch for me. I knew that I was going to love this one, like, from the moment that I found out about it, um, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, I just, I kept putting it off, and finally, uh, this this weekend, I, I gave it a look, and I was completely glued to my TV the entire time. I loved every moment of this movie this is a movie where if you're looking for something that's like over the top like if you're like man i just really want to see some crazy over the top action like this is this is the one this is what you need to see because it it honestly puts all uh like american blockbusters to shame like this movie is it is a movie this is a movie three hours of it (laughs) It's just it not let up. It's just so incredible. The dance battle, the the the, the scene with the animals where they use basically use a, a whole jungle a, a whole zoo as a as a weapon. Uh it's just it's so awesome. And there were just there were a lot of elements of this that I genuinely thought were fantastic too. Like the, all the music was so good. Mm-hmm. The uh 
aside from this, the effects work, which by the way, the effects work is quite good in this. There's a lot of CG at use, but it's, it's done quite well. Um, just the, like the production design, the sets in this, like some of the set pieces in this are so huge that it just Mm -hmm. looks like it was such a giant undertaking to produce this movie. I mean, this is an epic, epic movie. So yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was easily one of the best experiences of I've had with movies this year. All right, Ken, what's your number two? It's exactly the same. It's RRR. (laughs) There we go. We're finding some interesting patterns in our list. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, what else can I say? It's immaculate. Yeah, it's, it's immense. It's so good. Uh, Kevin, what's your number two? My number two is Nope. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah, which I, I 100% agree with you is the, the summer blockbuster feel of this movie. It's just something that I haven't experienced in quite some time. It just, it felt like a, you know, like a, such a, like a summer event of going to the movie theater and seeing this goddamn movie and just walking out buzzing is great. But it's also like, it's not like a modern blockbuster either. Like it's not, it doesn't have the same feel as like a Marvel movie where it it feels like this cookie cutter thing it feels it feels like a classic blockbuster yeah. oh this is and i think i said it on this show is this feels like jordan peele's jaws yeah. like it even kind of follows some of the beats that jaws follows and it's just it's that classic like well-made film where there's a technical prowess on display there's wonderful pacing but at the same time on surface level it is hugely entertaining yeah definitely all right, uh, my number two is Broker. This is the new one from uh, Corey Ida. I there's something about his movies that just always tug at, at the right emotional chords with me. Uh, I felt the same way about Shoplifters. I think Shoplifters is like my number one movie the, the year that that came out, like in 2018 or 16 or whatever, whenever that came out. And um, this one is very much the same it is um it's tender it's it's tragic in a lot of ways it's 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 incredibly sad but like kind of joyous at the same time i think that he does such a good job of like presenting complex characters and then making them extremely relatable and i always feel like he I always I always love like the the look of his movies. He always has this kind of like dreary, somber yet yet altogether beautiful like uh, cityscapes and stuff. And I, I just feel like there was a this was more of that. So yeah, I love Bro- Broker. And by the way, I mean if you're not familiar, it's about human traffickers. So. Uh, it, it says something when you can make a movie where the the leads are human traffickers and yet they're really sympathetic, likable characters. So, yeah, that's Broker. Check that out. I'm learning so much about this movie the last two days. Yeah, it's, I still haven't I, seen it. I had no idea it even existed until yesterday. I knew of it, and it's just 
like I mean, like we said at the beginning, like we 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 can't really have this you know go through these lists without talking about all the things that we haven't seen. Yeah, uh, it's they're, they're always snapshots. That's the uh, that's the thing I think. I hope I yeah. hope is always taken away. Yes, <laughs> always snapshots. All right, here we go. This is it. Number one, Ken. What's your number one film of twenty twenty two? My number one movie of the year is uh, Celine Sciamma's Petite Maman. Oh, okay. Now, I'm looking at my list right now and thinking that it's actually kind of funny. I think I've done this before. Just a weird contrast to number one. I've got the three-hour maximalist action movie RRR sandwiched between two sub 90 minute quiet character dramas <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing about petite maman it is brilliant quietly haunting it's again i guess we're gonna i'm gonna make this the theme well i was gonna say that i guess the theme of movies i like this year were about interrogating one's own memories investigating them kind of how the past and the present uh, coexist in our minds. But that honestly is the theme of every movie I like every year, basically. So, And if it's not a theme, I try to make it about that, I guess, because it feels like I bring that up every year. So, uh, yeah, it's um, just a fascinating bit of character work. Fantastical in fascinating ways. That makes more sense after you've seen it. All right, Kevin, what's your number one movie of the year? My number one is the that triple R movie Ooh. that you guys mm. talked about already. So this uh, this came in at number one. I think I win because so, I have it the highest. <laughs> I, I think that's how this works. It was one, two, and three, right? For. Yeah. Yep. So triple R sweeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just but you know to add to everything that you guys said um, to me, kind of in the way that Nope was this like big summer event for myself which was like one of three times i think i went to the movie theaters this year uh triple r is for me like perhaps some of the most fun i've had with a movie in quite some time like i was just it seemed like every other minute i was just like wow okay (laughs) this movie's just gonna do whatever it wants this is incredible i love this and when you talked about the you know the zoo when he has they pull up the truck, you know, they have such a, a big build-up to this truck. It's this huge set piece, it's state grounds, and the back comes flying open, and you have a whole menagerie popping out, getting ready to fight, and you're just like, oh, my God, and I love you so much. Like, I can't only... believe that you gave Sorry, I was just going to say, that's only halfway into the movie, too. Yeah. Like that that scene, which feels like it's the like a culminating showdown. Yeah, it's only halfway. It's only at the like hour and a half mark. Yeah, and in in an American film, that would have been it would have been two and a half hours of build up to that final sequence. In Triple R, it's just like yeah, okay, this is this will be another action scene that we'll do. This will be a menagerie, and yeah, yeah, they would have. They would have friggin' split this into three movies if it was in the U.S. And they would somehow all be three hours long. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Definitely. They would have. Yeah. But yeah. They would have added all kinds of extra bullshit on top of it that nobody wants or needs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this that just happens, and then it's like you want another ninety minutes to this. And obviously, if you're watching it, you're going to say nothing except absolutely. 
Yes. Yes, please. It, yes. it truly felt like a gift. Like it was like, I can't believe you did this for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So RRR definitely. Uh, that that's probably the highest. Uh, yeah, that's kind of our consensus pick. I for think movie so. Of the year, I guess. So yeah, I think so. Uh, my number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This was uh, one that just. I saw this in the theater. This was I haven't been to the theater very much this year either, or in twenty twenty two either. Um, but this was one that I saw, and I absolutely loved every second of it. It's it's endlessly exciting. Uh, I love Michelle Yeoh's character in this, <laughs> and it's just it's just goofy, and it just brings a smile to your face when you see this movie. It's just bonkers in all the right ways, and. Again, this is one that I am excited to to rewatch, and I highly recommend it. It's, yeah, uh, I did not like that movie uh, as much as you did, but even though I maybe didn't connect to it as much as you or you know so many other people ha- have really embraced it, uh, I just the whole time I was watching, I was like. This might not be for me, however we define that, but I'm just so happy that it's here. There's a universe where people have hot dog hands, okay? That is a good fact. <laughs> I can't I can't argue with that. Yeah. I'm just looking now at the 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 ratings of Letterboxd for this are insane. Like 51% gave it a 5 out of 5. Wow. That's, is that a record? It's, is that that's number one gotta movie on Letterboxd? It's gotta be up there, man. That's crazy. I didn't give it a five out of five for the record. I did give RRR a five out of five, which and yet RRR was not number one. <laughs> That's a, it. Always ends up that way for me, where the my ratings on Letterbox do not correspond with my top ten ever. Mm-hmm. Mm. It looks mm-hmm. like it's number 13 on the Letterboxd all-time list, which, yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not going to, like, yeah. And I, I'm happy it's, I am so can't happy that it. it got me. <laughs> I can't, you know, and then to not have the, the Chambuk on there. I, like, I, if, look, there's I, something about your list. There's something about your list. I, I, I think we're going to have to look into it's it. It's a goofy list this year. I admit that. But... <laughs> And, and I think you're still suffering from COVID. I still have an issue. I did. I did have originally. I had decision to leave in the number nine spot instead of Banshees, and I ended up like swapping it out. And but did so, you keep number ten? Number ten. That was all over the place. Number ten. Um, I had like I don't know four different ones at number ten yeah. at, at one point. Um, like glass onion was on there for a second, and then that that popped off, and there were there were a couple other ones. The the stranger, at one point, made an appearance. That was on there. Yeah, I, I was wondering if you had switched out number nine for a different movie that wasn't on the list, but you had kept ten the same while you were doing that. Well, also, I I, I had did that. yeah. I know. I understand. I. <laughs> I also had Shin Ultraman on my list at one point when until I realized that that actually didn't come out in the U.S. I was about to say, I was like, wait a second, that came out because that would have been much higher. Yeah, yeah, that it didn't come out, so that kind of messed up my whole thing. I thought it came out for some reason, 
but I guess that's some foreshadowing for 2023. <laughs> that, that, that movie's going to be up there for me. Uh, any other like honorable mentions or any other movies that you wanted to highlight from, from this year, any big releases or anything that just didn't quite make it to your lists? Uh, I won't go too much into them, but I'll just uh, rattle off a few that could have been credible, you know, showing up somewhere on the list that I just have written down here. Uh, I also have to go with Glass Onion, um, uh, the documentary All the Beauty and the Bloodshed uh, about Nan Golden, um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, uh, Ugh, After yeah. Yang. Wait, did you see? Uh, did you see Matilda? I have not seen Matilda. Oh man, I, I I really wanted to get your take on Matilda. I figured you'd be into that one. I have not seen. I have not yet seen Matilda. I will probably see it soon, but <laughs> I didn't like it. But I'm not surprised that you didn't like it. <laughs> I'm not surprised that you didn't like the movie Matilda. The, the, I think the more surprising thing is that I actually sat down and watched the whole thing. I am yeah, actually surprised that you decided to watch the music. I think it's mostly because I saw a lot of uh, like remixes and memes of that big uh, final song that's in the movie revolting it, children yeah revolting children and it made me want to <laughs> just watch the movie and see what it, what it was like it's not a bad movie but it's just it, i thought that all the other songs pretty much sucked except for the revolting children song anyway kevin were there any uh, honorable mentions any other ones that you wanted to mention uh, talk about the born on your list yeah, I, th- I think I have like a little bit of a, a theme here, which is I thought was kind of interesting in that my 11 through 15, see if you can notice a theme here. So 11 would have been Master, 12 would have been Hellbender, 13 would have been Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, 14 would have been Barbarian, and then 15 was Nanny. Interesting, okay. So you have five. It seemed like it was a really solid year for me in terms of horror movies. Like there wasn't... Yeah. It's not like there was horror movies out there that like really blew my mind, but to me there was just a lot of solid, solid horror movies. Yeah, my my uh, next next ten, my ten through twenty are like almost entirely horror movies. Like I had Barbarian, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Um, the I think Shutter had a pretty good year this year. They had a lot of ones. Oh, X Definitely. X is on there. Uh, so, yeah, good, good, pretty decent year for horror, I would say. Hopefully 2023 will keep up with that. Hopefully. All right. Anything else to close out the year? Uh, I'm, I'm just happy that we were uh, able to meet and discuss our lists. I always enjoy it. Cool. All right. I think it's going to do it for this week thank you so much for listening you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net at filmpulse kevin and at kbake underscore 99 and if you have a minute consider reviewing us on itunes that'd be great for kevin rakestraw and ken bakley my name's adam patterson we'll see you next week Bye.